Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the First in Orange podcast presented by Sports Illustrated Sportsbook. This is Denver Post sports writer Kyle Newman alongside Ryan O'Halloran out here in Dove Valley ahead of Broncos practice on Wednesday. And we got a loaded show for you here today previewing week two at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Going to be talking injury concerns as Jerry Judy and Ronald Darby go on the IR. Who has to step up at those positions? Takeaways from the week one win over the Giants. A look at the Jags and the chaos in week one. Urban Meyer, Trevor Lawrence, etc. Why has Vic had so much success against rookie quarterbacks with an 18-9 and record? And game picks and much more analysis here on a packed show. Again, first in Orange podcast presented by Sports Illustrated Sportsbook, sisportsbook.com. Go check them out. A great new player in the sports gambling space. Ryan, let's lead off the show with the news of the week so far. Jerry Judy going on the IR with a high ankle sprain. Ronald Darby going on the IR with a hamstring injury. What's the impact for the Broncos? Yeah, it put a little bit of a damper if you're the Broncos on the beginning of Jacksonville week. You you knew Judy was going to be out at least a month, so that IR decision wasn't surprising. You know, the Darby thing came out of nowhere, and, you know, Vic Talk Monday was asked about other injuries. Did not mention Darby. He explained that a little better on Wednesday that it sort of came up after that later in the afternoon when the players got back. But uh, And then I'll throw in right guard Graham Glasgow with the irregular heartbeat. Didn't fly back to Denver until uh, Tuesday. Let's take this one by one. Let's start with Judy. Um, it's obviously a big loss. You know, I never thought the Broncos receiving depth was as bountiful as other people. Now they have no margin for error because they got Sutton, Tim Patrick, KJ Hamler. If they lose one of those three for any extended period of time while Judy is out, there's an issue. There's a problem. And so this is a heck of an opportunity for Hamler. It's a heck of an opportunity for Tim Patrick going into his contract year. But you're gonna, the guy who's going to miss Judy is Cortland Sutton. Cortland's only catch against the Giants came out of the slot with Judy lined up outside. Cortland's going to be an outside guy right now because that's you know he's he's their best guy. So that that the ripple effect impacts them that way. I expect them to go a lot of two tight end and uh, incorporate Alberto and Noah Fant. Uh, you talked to KJ Hamler along with everybody else today. What were KJ's thoughts on both his first game against the Giants and also the opportunity uh, presented to him with Judy out? Yeah, he obviously made no excuses about the drop touchdown pass. 50-yard would-be touchdown hit him right in the numbers. Couldn't haul it in from Teddy Bridgewater. But he also had a couple catches, moved the chains. So some building blocks to come out of that week one. And, and he knows, he acknowledged just what you said, Ryan. The onus is on him, Cortland Sutton, and Tim Patrick to you know carry the torch and just continue on business as usual as Judy mends up. And he's eligible to come back in four weeks. We'll see if that's the case, you know. Based off the prognosis from some of the experts you talked to, could be a little longer than that, especially considering it was in the first game of the season. Yeah, and, and I think there's a, there's a little bit of a luxury of time. The ER, uh, go, ER going on IR means he's out minimum three games, which is what they thought he was going to be out anyways. You know, let's meet him in the middle. Let's say five weeks. Now you're getting to the end of October, and so and then you know he has to get back in condition. He's got to get back into a rhythm with his route running. And that's one the doctor I talked to said the biggest step for Judy is not going to be running in a straight line. It's going to be the cutting and stopping, which is obviously very important for a receiver. So uh, that's Patrick and Hamler, the opportunity in front of them. All right, let's move on to Darby. Uh, this really limits Coach Vic Fangio's personnel because he played 10 snaps a dime against the Giants with Pat Sertan as that dime player against tight end Kyle Rudolph. Had the game been closer, he probably would have played a lot more. A lot of prevent 
last couple drives, he just stuck with his nickel. Uh, Sertan now moves into Darby spot outside. Bryce Callahan stays in the nickel, covering the slot. To me, nickel's your sub package because at, at this point uh, in dime, Carrie Vincent, Nate McNair, maybe safety Kane Stearns. To me, that doesn't really fly right now. So, uh, you know, Sertan played outside his entire career at Alabama. So, uh, you know, they should feel like there's not a drop-off, if any. But here's the thing with Darby. Outside of last year, he has had a history of injuries, minor and major. So that had to be their thinking. They signed him to a three-year, $30 million deal, not a five-year, you know, $67 million deal. But also they signed Fuller, drafted Sertan because, you know, they need corners because corners go down in this league with a lot of teams. Like uh, San Francisco lost one with the Achilles, Jason Verrett. So, you know, the depth is going to be tested, but that's why they built the roster um, as they saw this fit. So uh, Glasgow will be the last injury update. We'll get to Chubb in a second. Um, you know, Vic Fangio said Glasgow was iffy for Sunday. Natani Mute, the second-year player, would start at right guard. You look at the tape, you can tell it helps explain why Glasgow struggled so much. I mean, as you're watching the game, you're saying, this guy is getting knocked off his feet. He's not protecting well. He's not run blocking well. So obviously he was suffering a little bit. So uh, they feel like he's uh, on the right track, still has to do some tests. So um, as we're taping this on Wednesday afternoon, Bradley Chubb with the ankle, Shelby Harris with the wrist, and Shamar Steven will all be limited. It's a big week for Chubb. He's got to get out there, take a spin, maybe be full full practice later in the week and get him ready for the Jaguars, who are presenting a lot of opportunities for pass rushers like Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. So a huge opportunity for Pat Sertan and Atane Mute, as Ryan O'Halloran mentioned. Again, this is the first in Orange podcast presented by Sports Illustrated Sportsbook, Kyle Newman and Ryan O'Halloran on behalf of the Denver Post. Let's take a listen in from our sponsor. Nothing else in the world can hold a candle to sports. It's why true fans actually cry when their team loses a close one. And why we channel the memory of a goldfish to believe again before the next game. Teams can be beaten, but true fans are invincible. At Sports Illustrated Sportsbook, we get that. All of it. Because we love sports, too. We also happen to have the knowledge that comes from working alongside more athletes and coaches than any other sportsbook on the planet. We understand the game, not just the spread. So we made the sports book only Sports Illustrated could deliver. Sports Illustrated Sportsbook, the sports book by sports people. Download the SI Sportsbook app today. New players, when you bet $10, get $50 in free bets. New players only. Players must be over 21 located in Colorado. Qualifying bet $10 or more. Minimum odds minus 150. Free bet tokens credited after bet is settled and expire after seven days. Free bet stakes not included in winnings. Promo expires 12-31-21. Full terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. And here we are back on the First in Orange podcast presented by Sports Illustrated Sportsbook, SISportsbook.com. We are just running down some injuries, Jerry Judy, Ronald Darby, and Bradley Chubb updates among them. Any final takeaways from that Giants game? A, a pretty decisive victory for the Broncos, gave it the garbage time touchdown, it came out with a couple injuries as we discussed, but a lot of momentum. And as Sean Keeler opined earlier this week, a little playoff vibe building very, very early out here in Dove Valley. Well, I'll move Here's on. Here's the skepticism from Ryan O'Halloran. I'll move on from that just yet, because if you don't beat the Jaguars, then the Giants game means nothing. Correct. Well, it beats the alternative if you're a Bronco 0-4 and, and through the last two Septembers. And, you know, as Vic said on Sunday, hey, that was going to be a story until it's not. He goes, now you got to write news stories. So we are. And uh, it just, you know, the Broncos were so, you know, they were in chase the season mode 
from the first week of the season on the last two years. Hey, let's face it. Look at the schedule. You're facing two rookie quarterbacks. You should be 3-0 and with the Ravens coming in, and they didn't look like great shakes against Las Vegas in their eighth year. So they, they should have confidence that they can build on the momentum. So the Jaguars coming off that week one loss to Houston. Trevor Lawrence throwing three picks for what he said was the first time in his whole career. And, of course, the rookie learning curve as to be expected, as Justin Simmons discussed today. Justin Simmons, the Broncos' safety, expecting good things, big things from Trevor Lawrence. But he said, hey, it's going to take, take him a minute. What do you make of that kind of chaos and that loss in week one? And is Urban Meyer going to be the coach here, or is he going to USC? He's already having to address that. Yeah, and and I he should have to address it because the rumors are always there. And Mark Kisla is writing a column on Meyer for Thursday's print edition. And as we talk on Wednesday, it's already online at DenverPost.com. Um, it was a chaotic game for the Jaguars. Uh, they had procedure penalties. They had 12 men in the huddle. They had dropped passes. They gave up some big plays in the passing game. And, you know, Trevor Lawrence was the lone positive, and that was with throwing three interceptions. His arm talent is elite already. They just got to be able to help him a little bit with the protections, with the receivers catching the football more consistently. So I thought it was mostly a total system breakdown for the Jaguars watching their game. Houston did it with a four-man rush. They said, we're going to rush four, we're going to drop seven, and we're going to try and get into passing lanes and confuse Trevor Lawrence. I think that should be part of Vic Fangio's plan as well and feel confident he can get there with a four-man rush. So that said, LaVishka Chenault, the former CU star, they, they, they use him in a good way. Urban Meyer said on Wednesday, yeah, I get him in the space more often. He is, he is a very good young player. James Robinson, an undrafted running back in his second year, rushed for 1,000 yards last year. He's a good player. I just think the Broncos, and we'll get to the predictions at the end, the Broncos should be able to expose an overpaid and overrated offensive line for the Jaguars. And that's coming from the guy who used to cover the Jaguars for how many seasons again? Six seasons, six seasons, 2012 to 2017. I mean, hardly any, only a couple of players are still there and hardly any coaches. But And one really notable season, right? 2017, yeah. So this will be my first game back in Jacksonville since the wild card or the playoff win over Buffalo in January of 18. So looking forward to that. But it may be the same old Jaguars mostly, though. First Orange Podcast, that's Ryan O'Halloran. This is Kyle Newman. The show brought to you by Sports Illustrated Sportsbook, sisportsbook.com. Check them out. We'll be discussing some gambling props, odds here midway through the show. And, of course, they got all the lines up there for the week two action at sisportsbook.com. Moving on here, you mentioned going down back to Jacksonville, and not only do they have a rookie quarterback in Trevor Lawrence, first overall pick, they got a rookie coach in Urban Meyer who had a ton of success at the college level. But he's now got to prove it here in the NFL. We won't be hearing from him this week, though, the Denver media contingent. Right, Ryan? Uh, per your Twitter debacle with yeah, Jaguars yeah, PR. Yeah, my fuse was short with the Jaguars after not getting Charlie Strong last week to talk about Teddy Bridgewater. And, you know, it's a, I think it's a gentleman's agreement to make the opposing coach available if, if the Broncos make Vic available, which they did. And let's go over this real quick because all the years I've been on the beat with you, Every opposing coach has talked, even grumpy Bill Belichick. That Bill, rule has changed now yeah, this year? They or? sort of slid it under the door. It's not mandatory. I mean, when I, you know, for more than a decade covering this league, you had to make a player and a coach available on Wednesdays. For the opposing Yeah, league. and that was great. You get Aaron Rodgers and Phillip Rivers and Chris Harris last year. And right. So it's just, uh, once again, the you know dumbing down of uh, trying to cover this league. But Urban Meyer, I mean, he wouldn't have taken the Jags job had they not had the number one pick, he would not have taken the Jags job had USC fired Clay Helton last November. So, but Shad Khan, the owner, 
uh, you know, made a commitment to Meyer to get him to Jacksonville. You know, uh, it just, I mean, it felt just reading from afar, did they go too much hitting in camp? They didn't look good in the preseason game against New Orleans. They didn't really show up for the first half against Houston. I think Urban is figuring out that there aren't any uh, Illinois or Rutgers is on the schedule for the Jaguars. And this is a big game for Jacksonville, uh, you know, because they have Arizona coming in next. They are at Cincinnati on a short week. Then they go to London. Then they go to Seattle. Uh, with a bye week in between. So their schedule is very difficult because they play the NFC West. So this is a big game for them and their fans because there's already uh, some skepticism around Jacksonville with the way that opener went. One game in, and there's already skepticism. And the Jacksonville faithful aren't even that, you know, diehards, right, on a comparative scale? <laughs> yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a vocal minority. I mean, the atmosphere when they win is pretty cool. Um, it's just not a great stadium. There's no shade. Um, but, you know, getting back to Meyer, uh, I didn't expect him to take an NFL shot, but you, you know, one of one of the Colorado ties for Urban is he had six years as a Colorado State assistant with Earl Bruce and Sonny Lubick. That was his longest stint as an assistant anywhere. Uh, you talked to some of those people this week for a story coming up. Without giving away the story, what you know, what was uh, you know Sonny Lubick's take on Urban? Yeah, as you mentioned, Urban wideouts coach for the Rams from 1990 to 95. The latter part of that under Sonny Lubick's tenure. And Ryan, it was interesting talking to Sonny Lubick a couple days ago for this story. You know, as you mentioned, Urban was on Earl Bruce's staff, and then Sonny Lubick came in, and he picked most of the staff, but he was only going to retain two or three guys. Well, he saw what he liked in Urban Meyer and rehired him onto that staff. And Urban Meyer at that time, seeking some continu- continuity and stability in his life, some, some a young family, uh, his wife pregnant at the time. So he was in Fort Collins for six seasons before heading out to South Bend, Indiana, to coach for Notre Dame. And that was, that was quite a, quite a stint in terms of being a college assistant coach. Yeah. And according to Steve Fairchild, urban took a lot out of it. And you could see at that point in time, just the, the detail oriented, the obsessiveness and how Sonny pointed out, he might've held his players to maybe even too high of a standard Mm -hmm. at at some times. Well, that's befitting of a head coach. And and Steve Fairchild, I think was the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at CSU back then. Correct. So, you know, he, then he had success at Utah, had success at Florida, had success at Ohio State. NFL is a totally different animal. You know, this is not an overnight thing. The good thing going for Urban and the Jacksonville Jaguars is they got the trigger man. You can build around Trevor Lawrence. You know, you got to make better decisions in the draft than they did, I think, this past year after drafting Lawrence. This is the First Orange Podcast presented by Sports Illustrated Sportsbook. Sports Illustrated has been bringing fans deeper into sports since 1954. That's over 65 years of pro sports insights and knowledge and six years before there was pro football in Denver. While other sportsbooks know gaming, SI Sportsbook knows the game. It's betting built with a combination of actual sports knowledge and true sports passion. It's a sportsbook for real sports fans because it's made by real sports fans. And it's a perfect time to get your bet in on the game at sisportsbook.com right now. And, of course, all the lines up for week two in the NFL. And, Ryan, let's run down a couple of these and sprinkle in some first and orange analysis here, starting with, of course, the Broncos game. Broncos, five-and-a-half-point favorites at the Jaguars. What do you like about that and the over-under of 44.5? I like the spread more than the over-under. Um, I, you know, I have maybe a, a, a 27-10 game, maybe 31-17, which would get the over. I really like five-and-a-half if I was playing this game. and I just think the Jaguars right now are, aren't at a point where they can stop the Broncos' defense. And I think Teddy Bridgewater's debut last week, he's going to make sure this team does not have a letdown. So if I was uh, – 
part of the betting community on that game, I would I would uh, pick the Broncos uh, minus five and a half. And a couple other intriguing matchups and lines we'll look at. Dallas and Los Angeles Chargers. Dallas plus three at the Chargers. What do you make of that line? I'm going to pick the Cowboys uh, as the underdog to win straight up uh, for two reasons. One, they've had an extra three days of rest, so that helped Dak Prescott, who throwed you know, basically 75 times in that Tampa Bay opener. But here's the key thing. It's the first game for the Chargers at SoFi Stadium with fans since they moved in there. They're going to have to use a silent snap count because it's going to be about 75% Cowboy fans. They had to do that at Carson at that soccer stadium before. So I think that's going to give the Cowboys an edge. So I like them on the money line. So obviously it means uh, uh, three plus three and a half, I'll take them. Yeah, Melvin Gordon, the ex-Charger, made fun of that last year saying, hey, I mean, we don't have really much of a fan base. We didn't have the soccer stadium. And as you point out, probably not going to have much of a home crowd there at SoFi either. Another AFC intriguing battle to look out for that Travis Kelsey didn't know about a few days ago on Monday Night Football when he went on the broadcast. But Chiefs at Ravens, Chiefs three-and-a-half-point favorites. Ravens coming off that very tough overtime loss to the Raiders. What do you make of this one? I think the Chiefs are going to cover. I mean, it's a tough tr- – it's a tough – uh, tough ass for the Ravens on a short week coming back from a West Coast trip. Here's the other problem for the Ravens. They're running out of players, period. They lost one of their guards. Uh, Velvleva, their right tackle, was a turnstile. Ronnie Stanley, their left tackle, was still working off the rust from missing a lot of time with an ankle injury. And the, Ra- the Raiders caused havoc uh, with sacks and takeaways by rushing four men. So I think the Chiefs are going to have their way. I don't think it's going to be a blow, but I think they covered the three and a half on Sunday night. Final one here, some gambling analysis on the First Orange podcast presented by SISportsbook.com. Bills, three-and-a-half-point favorites at the Dolphins. This is an interesting game because Buffalo has Super Bowl aspirations. They still do, but they turned in a stinker in week one at home against Pittsburgh. They you know, they got in the red zone. They're like one of four of the turnover and three field goals, and maybe it's one, one of five or something like that. But uh, Miami, I'm not a big Tua guy, but I am – more impressed with their Dolphin defense. They created a couple of takeaways, the win at New England in the opener. So I think this is a pretty critical game for the Bills. And what's the spread again? Three and a half. Um, I'm going to take the Bills uh, to, to cover that as a road favorite because I think that uh, Buffalo has a sense of urgency this week after losing to Pittsburgh. And that's Ryan O'Halloran's analysis on the first in Orange podcast presented by Sports Illustrated Sportsbook. If you tried other apps, you need to try SI Sportsbook and get the true fan experience. Sports Illustrated Sportsbook, the sportsbook that wrote the book on sports. Right now, a new player offer at SISportsbook.com. When you bet your first $10, you'll get $50 in free bets. New players only. Players must be over 21 located in Colorado. Qualifying bet $10 or more. Minimum odds minus 150. Free bet tokens credited after bet is settled and expire after seven days. Free bet stakes not included in winnings. Promo code expires 12-31-21. Full terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. And back to the show here. A couple more topics on the First Orange podcast. One that you're writing about for the Sunday edition hopefully available in your driveway if you're a subscriber to the Denver Post. Why has Vic Fangio had so much success against rookie quarterbacks? He owns an 18-9 and record, and he's got two coming up these next couple weeks. Yeah, good scheme, good players. And um, diving into that a little bit more is one thing he pointed out. It says you cannot throw a lot at your defense during the week in an effort to throw a lot at your quarterback because then you confuse everybody. So you still got to play fast, but – I've never talked to people who thought he disguised more than any other coordinator or play caller. 
So I think they're going to throw some different looks, try and bait Trevor Lawrence into some bad throws. But the key is you got to stop the run, get him in the second and long, get him in the third, medium, third and long where he has to throw. You know, I was talking to Kareem Jackson uh, today before practice, and he said some weeks he'll get he'll get to the facility on a Wednesday, get the game plan on his iPad, and he'll go, "Damn, where'd that come from?" It's something. It's a. It's a. It's a. It's a design they did not practice in camp. It's a design they had not used in a game yet this year, and that's in previous years. So, he is a mad scientist, as Khalil Mack from Chicago called him back in the day. And you know, I like his chances calling this defense with these players, even minus Darby, to to cause some chaos for the Jaguars. First Orange podcast was entered by Sports Illustrated Sportsbook, sisportsbook.com. One final topic here on the show, and we discussed it. Briefly at the top of the show, can the Broncos avoid a letdown, start 2-0 on the way to the 3-0 start that they really need to put themselves in position to be playoff competitive in the second half of the season? Can they do that? I'm going to say yes. I got Broncos 31, Jaguars 21. Trevor Lawrence alternates between looking good and looking lost as the Jags get out to an early lead, but the Denver secondary, even minus Darby, comes up with the pair of second-half interceptions, and hey, Cool. Teddy Two Gloves does his thing, continues to be reliable, and I think Javante Williams bursting out for his first 100-yard game. That's my prediction. And, Ryan, you also got them winning. Score and thoughts. Um, what was my score? 30-17. to 17. Okay, so that would be the over. Um, I think Teddy Bridgewater had a pretty good message on Wednesday morning here at the facility. He said, hey, Pat Shermer brought up that they didn't take the lead until their 34th play the other day against the Giants. To me, that means you're trying to create a tone, a sense of urgency. Vick will never take the ball first if he wins the toss. He'll always defer. But jump out on this Jaguar team that has a lot of young players who then will start doubting themselves. The fans will get upset. And now, you know, be better on first and second downs. You don't have to face those third and fourth down situations. So I think this is going to be a big game for Noah Fant. I don't think they have anybody who can cover Noah. I think he goes for 100-plus yards. And uh, I do think the Broncos move to 2-0. And your prediction that Urban Meyer answers more postgame questions about USC than the Jaguars' performance. Is that still going to stand? No, I'll have to send you a new one because he sort of put that to bed on Wednesday morning. Well, we'll see if those questions linger. Those rumors will certainly linger, No, the rumors will linger for any big job. But before we leave, I want to wish a happy 72nd birthday to our most loyal listener, uh, Tom O'Halloran in West Fargo, North Dakota. He's my most loyal reader. And uh, he always listens to the podcast when uh, him and my mom are at the YMCA for their workout. And uh, so happy birthday, Dad. Hell yeah. Happy birthday, Tom. And way to get that workout in. That's what I'm talking about. First Orange Podcast presented by Sports Illustrated Sportsbook. Appreciate you tuning in to today's show. Be sure to head to denverpost.com slash broncos. And, of course, sisportsbook.com. Get your bets in. This has been Kyle Newman and Ryan O'Halloran out here in Dove Valley. And until next time, folks, take it easy.